On the Way Home is proudly supported by Ellis Dong Community Builders, a group formed within the Ellis Dong group of companies to assist those who wish to deliver affordable and sustainable housing by providing development management services and leveraging Ellis Dong's turnkey cradle-to-grave project capabilities. We incorporate all that a world-leading development, construction, and building services company has to offer to provide innovative and sustainable developments that connect and energize communities. Our offering is not simply a development and construction solution. It's a holistic and comprehensive approach that ensures the delivery of assets that communities can be proud of. To learn more, please visit www.communitybuilders.ellisdon.com. We at On The Way Home would like to acknowledge the original stewards of whose lands this podcast is recorded on. In York Region, we recognize we're on the traditional territories of the Wendat, the Haudenosaunee, and the Anishinaabe peoples, and that this is the treaty lands of the Mississaugas of the Credit. And in Vancouver, we acknowledge that we are on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, the Musqueam, Squahomish, and Tsleil-Waututh, whose presence on these lands continue to this day. Welcome to another episode of On The Way Home. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite from Bluedor. And as always, we have another amazing, innovative, and wonderful guest uh, speaking with us today. Before we get to that wonderful guest, just want to let you know, as always, some of the cool stuff happening at both Bluedor and, of course, the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness, our uh, partner in this podcast. Bluedor right now, lots of great things happening. want to share a little bit about... Uh, in our region, in our last point of time count, and the one before that, in fact, we saw that we had over-representation of uh, people experiencing homelessness for the 2S LGBTQ plus uh, community, especially youth. And then we had not one, but two research um, projects done that showed that youth from the community were not feeling safe in our traditional uh, housing programs that we had. And there is a gap there. And, and so I'm pleased to say Blue Door, along with some partners in York Region, stepped up about a year and a half ago to start a new program called Inclusion. I-N-N, like an N you stay at, Inclusion. Uh, it's a wonderful semi-independent uh, housing program with, uh, with specific supports wrapped around these youth. And it's very, very cool. And we hope to scale it uh, across the country. We have uh, got wonderful support from the North Pine Foundation, too, who uh, saw this, that this is a great program and put some resources into it uh, with a thought too of hoping to share uh, with this across the country, the, this program. And also uh, a big part of what they're focused on too is youth leaving care uh, from the 2S LGBTQ plus community uh, who don't have a safe place to call home. Uh, and so we're working with many uh, CASs across uh, York Region of Toronto to make sure we provide the service for them. So that's pretty cool. The inclusion program, filling the gap. And of course, at CAEH right now, there's a huge vote housing piece happening. Check it out on their website. Um, we have a federal budget coming up and this is the time to have some sway. So, uh, you know, write to your MPs, your politicians, check out uh, CAEH's uh, social media or go to their website to check out how you can get involved as an organization or as an individual with a vote housing campaign. And now to our guest. Now, listen, I'm really excited about today's guest uh, for many different reasons. Um, and it's funny, you know, I always, it's the quiet ones you have to watch. 
and, and the humble ones, I ask, oh, we always ask our guests for uh, a bio. Like, you know, if you could keep it short. Uh, and today's guest uh, gave me the shortest uh, bio I've ever seen. And I think that just shows the humbleness of someone who took a you know, took this challenge that we'll talk about on in his retirement uh, to do something good. Uh, so with us today from Kishore Waterloo, we have Jeff Wilmer. So he's one of the co-founders of A Better Tent City. I'm sure you've heard of this. It's been all over the news. It's a different way of thinking. Uh, Jeff is a former city planner and was the city of Kitchener CAO until retiring in 2017. Um, and, you know, it's just amazing that you know, many people in retirement say, I'm going to take a step back. Um, I'm going to relax and, you know, find all sorts of enjoyment in life. Jeff has found his enjoyment through being a co-founder of A Better Tense City. Uh, and I think it's amazing and inspiring. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Michael. Good to be here. Uh, Jeff, we, we have a tradition here at On The Way Home. Our first question is always the same because uh, home means different things to different people. Um, so we want to know, what, is, what does home mean to you? It means something different to me now than it would have a few years ago, I think, because of my involvement in this project. Um, it, number one, it means a place where you're not trespassing, where you know you can come back to it every day, every night, or next week, and nobody's going to force you to move along. And, and no matter how basic, a roof over your head, um, a place of your very own, I guess. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. It is. It's that... You know, uh, many people, when we ask that question, we'll talk about safety, but it is that, that for many people, uh, not living in fear right, of, of losing their, their housing or, or, as you said, being able to come back and not worrying about trespassing. Um, so let's talk about a better tense city. Uh, this is huge. How did this evolve? How did it come about? How did you get involved? Uh, and, and talk to us a little bit about the setup. Sure. So it, it started about two and a half years ago. Um, and it was the idea of the late Ron Doyle. Uh, Ron was an industrial uh, business owner in, in the Waterloo region. And uh, he and I became acquainted through work when I was a city planner or director of planning. And, and he had lots of very innovative ideas. Sometimes he would just barge into the office with a crazy idea. And sometimes I'd love the idea and try to find a way to help make it happen. Other times... I just thought it was a crazy idea. So, so uh, Ron approached me um, to say, you know, I, I keep seeing people living on the streets of, of our downtown and nobody seems to be able to help them. I think we can help them. Do you want to, do you want to, do you want to work with me on this? So I was quite intrigued and uh, that's really, really where it started. Um, he, he was fascinated with the idea of repurposing shipping containers for, for housing. Uh, and we looked at that for a while, but we ended up going with, with cabins that are really more like garden sheds, eight foot by 10 foot shed with two windows and a door. Um, and that's the, the model of, of home that we went with. But early on, like before we had figured out the site, before we had figured out the type of cabin we were going to use, we met Nadine Green and Nadine who's still very much involved with a better tent city. She's the live in site coordinator. Um, she was running a convenience store in downtown Kitchener. And just like Ron, she saw people living rough downtown and she thought this is wrong. And so she opened up her convenience store as a pop-up shelter. And she had 20 people uh, spending their nights staying warm and dry in her store. And so Ron and I went and visited there when that was still running. And we were really impressed by 
by the people we met there and had we had conversations with them and realized that they um you know they, maybe they realized this is their last chance that they they have to make the most of it they were very respectful of each other and they helped clean up everything it was very orderly and very quiet considering there's 20 people out there and these are people with challenges in their life but they were extremely respectful of each other so that was kind of the the essence of it uh fast forward to the first month or two of covid when the shelters were kind of scrambling to say how do we provide shelter service now um and uh, so that really prompted ron to use one of his buildings which was an event space with no events and he said Nadine, why don't you just come and bring those 20 people and let them tent inside uh, Lot 42. So it started the very same night, uh, that, that very same night, middle of April of 2020. Uh, Nadine brought uh, people that she knew who were living rough and uh, they, we got nylon tents and they started an encampment indoors where they had uh, access to a kitchen and a washroom and they were not trespassing. Wow, well, that's quite a story. It started by in a sense by volunteers right by yep. community for community that's exactly right yeah and it and it grew in every sense it, we, we grew from people tenting to people living in cabins we we quickly purchased 12 cabins and then expanded that to 25 or 30. we now have over 40 uh tiny homes or cabins uh 50 residents but it, the the volunteer group uh started off with people making the evening meal like the residents were responsible for their own breakfast and lunch, but volunteers would cook a, a hot supper for, for the whole community every single night. And that's been going on for close to two years now. Um, St. Mary's Church and Father Toby Collins jumped on board and their parishioners did fundraising and, and purchased another dozen cabins or so. St. Mary's provided an outreach worker that was pretty much full-time dedicated to a better tent city. Uh, all kinds of volunteers, people who do construction and maintenance and help out on site. And, and all the volunteers uh, develop connections with the residents because they're working side by side and the residents want to help out as well. And those become really meaningful connections. Uh, it, it, it changes everybody, I think. The, the volunteers get a new perspective on how life can go sideways for somebody. Um, and the residents and they voiced this, they, they realized that not everybody has given up hope on them. There are people who care. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Yeah, and that could be a real difference maker too, is that hope when someone actually uh, sees you as the person. You know, when we talk about people experiencing homelessness, the reason we say it that way is see the person not the situation, right? And it sounds like the volunteers are seeing the people and the people experiencing homelessness are seeing people uh, in the community that care. Wow, what a what a difference. So so let's talk about the community. Uh, what has the response been? Because I'm sure it's not, you know, it, it's a mix, right? Yeah, it's it's been mostly positive. We've had quite a bit of, of positive media coverage, starting with the local media, but more recently, even national coverage. So I think that helped that the, the first 
sort of awareness that the, the broader community of Waterloo Region had about this was from local TV, local radio, local newspaper. And it was very, very positive coverage along the ideas that, you know, here's an innovation. It's helping people that weren't being helped by the other systems that are the other, you know, uh, uh, facilities and services that are available in the city. Um, so I think that positive media attention helped. Um, there, there was a bit of pushback from the immediate neighbors. We were in an industrial area and there was a, a few businesses around that did find that there was, uh, you know, some trespass, vandalism and theft. Um, uh, but what they learned to coexist and Ron had a charming way of, of managing that with them, that, that they, you know, that they realized that the, the individuals are better off with the support that they get in a better tent city and that it's a sort of a small price to pay for local businesses. But, uh, um, what we have noticed from continuing conversations with those businesses is we've relocated twice and we're now back to that same area, different property. Um, but one of those businesses commented that over time, the, uh, the unwanted activity has, has declined noticeably. And, and, uh, in these recent months, since we relocated there, it's been significantly less than it was in the early days. So I think that speaks to how much more uh, stable the lives are of the residents that they, they can, uh, participate in society in a, in a cooperative way rather than, than, you know, inflicting damage or, or trying to, to express their, the frustrations by, by doing, you know, vandalism or those type of things. So, so that's an encouraging sign. Um, I mentioned we relocated twice. Uh, in the middle of all that, the city of Kitchener uh, helped us out by providing an interim property, uh, which is uh, in the winter con winter season. It's it's a snow dump property, but in the summer it was available. So we moved there in June and stayed till the end of October. There, there was some pushback from a residential neighborhood not too far away. It was six or eight hundred meters away, I think, um, and they were quite concerned uh, as we first moved in, but. After we had been there a short time, like even a couple of weeks, a couple of months, the, the, the residents realized that their fears were, were really, uh, not being brought to reality, that there was very, very minimal, um, unwanted interaction. And, and when there was some, it was fairly manageable. So, so that was a, a reasonably positive, uh, coexistence as well. Yeah. I imagine that the stigma that's there, um, that they're thinking this might happen and this might happen, like, you know, the nimbyism and, and you're right. As soon as they see, Hey, you know, we coexist, uh, listen, people experiencing homelessness are people just without a home. Um, so there are neighbors who are neighbors without a home, right? For sure. Now you've touched on moving a little bit. Uh, I imagine like this is a massive undertaking with all the cabins now and, and all the different moving pieces. What have some of the challenges been? Yeah, so it's interesting because the actually moving the cabins is extraordinarily simple. Uh, you know that they're each you can put three of these cabins on the back of a flatbed truck and move it across town, plunk it down, and the person who woke up in that cabin in the morning can can settle down that night in their own cabin on a different property. So the moving 42 or 43 cabins that, that happened in a matter of hours and they were, they were able to be used again and packing was easy. You could leave up, leave everything in there. So, uh, uh, the challenge was really getting the services to the site. Um, quite expensive to get power to each cabin. And we used a generator in the early days to, to keep them warm at night in, uh, in November, early December. 
and it took us a while to get uh, sanitary sewer and water uh, and then have toilets and showers and laundry hooked up, which has just recently happened. So it was challenging for us. We were uh, more than three months on the new property before we actually had running water. So it was very challenging. And uh, uh, people from the church were shuttling residents back and forth to the church to, to have showers there. Um, so again, volunteers stepped up as they have throughout this whole program. Wow, that uh, that is amazing. And, and it's interesting, right? Because when you think there's, there's a school of thought around encampments and... and you know, um, and many people even in the sector would say, why are you encouraging people to live, in a sense, in, in an encampment uh, rather than trying to find them more permanent housing? Or, um, But, of course, you, you, you prove it here. Uh, this is community involvement. It seems like it, it's thriving. What are, what are your thoughts around that, is, you know, around some naysayers or, or encampments in general? Yeah. So... You know, I think in an ideal world, we wouldn't need something like a better tent city, that, that we would have affordable, supportive housing that, that meets the needs of, of everybody. Um, and, and I think, you know, there's encouraging signs that, that more affordable and supportive housing is being developed, but it's going to take a while. And so in the meanwhile, I think we do need um, a variety of innovative approaches to, to serve people with different needs. Um, the shelters locally do a terrific job and many people get a lot of benefit from staying in the shelter until they can be matched up with housing. I think what we're finding in a better tent city though, is these are the people who were unsheltered, right? They either could not or would not use the shelter system. Uh, many of them had been restricted from the shelters because their, their conduct was just too disruptive to the other, other people at the shelter. And some had, a, had different reasons for not wanting to go to the shelter. They may be, uh, you know, have been victimized there before and and don't want to risk being victimized again. Um, others had a pet uh, who was as their, 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 their closest companion and, and weren't able to take a pet. And, the, and there aren't very many shelter op options for couples in Waterloo Region. And so um, a better tent city seemed to be a place for people who used to be unsheltered and living in isolation now have a home and a community and a family. They're no longer isolated and they're actually benefiting greatly from from that community that's that's taking shape there then they're contributing to running it because we have very few staff it's 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 run by the residents themselves together with the volunteers it's so uh so important what you said there and i think people many people don't understand that about the importance of community where you're living right uh, and we've seen this before so where where uh, i work blue door sometimes you know in the past we thought we just need to get people housing but if you thought about that person that was in, uh, say, our men's emergency housing, Porter Place. So I've been there for a month. I've got 25 buddies. That's my community. I have staff that care about me. I get a meal every day. And then you put me in housing on my own, and I don't have that sense of I've lost that sense of community. So I sabotage that because I really home is more than just uh, a physical place, right? It is about community, and you've created that uh in a better tent city. What are the residents saying? Like, what is some of the feedback you're getting from people living there? Yeah, the, the, the residents are, are really pleased with their new lives, that most of the residents have been there since the beginning. Uh, once once they come, they they, uh, they they find that this is a good place for them and their lives are, are becoming more stable, more, more hopeful. Um, and so... You know, on any given day, there's there's going to be some conflict, either resident to resident, or or arguments with 
a neighbor or with Nadine, though those are that's all part of real life. And so we, we work through those and manage those as best we can. But but by and large the residents are, are really pleased with it and uh and, and we're also trying to improve facilities and services uh as we go so that we can we can do more to help them get their lives back on track. It is an incredible undertaking and very inspirational, I think, and you'll see others saying, hey, wait a second, instead of trying to clear this encampment, why don't we make it better if this is what, what people right now need? And you, you talked about you know, people that may not feel safe, that may not be welcome, of course, right now, but for different reasons in uh, your traditional shelter systems, pets, couples, etc., cetera, uh, finding the gaps. What are your hopes uh, for the future of without intensity? So right now we, we've had our hands so full with just getting set up at this site. Like as I mentioned, we moved there late October. Here it is late February, and we're dude, we don't yet have a kitchen, right? So so um, you know we're, we're glad we've got toilets now up and running. It was a it was a cold winter for portable toilets, um, but uh, so toilets, showers, laundry facilities are up and running now. Facilities wise, having a, a, a proper kitchen and dining hall and, and a lounge place a place where the residents can interact. Uh, and it's it's you know an indoor spot that that'll be a, a a big deal for us, and that's really where the most meaningful interactions between volunteers and residents take place as well as over meal preparation when the when the residents are involved in that or clean up afterwards that those conversations that happen are are, are pretty key things. Um, so so the services many of the services are provided on site already existed in Waterloo Region. It's just that a better tent city has made it more effective or more efficient for service providers to find people living rough. Sanguine has a mobile health bus that comes to the, the property twice a week and stays for two hours. And the practitioners on the bus know the residents by name and vice versa. There's a development or a relationship of trust that's developed, which is not easily done. Um, the food bank has supported us well. Uh, outreach workers, uh, harm reduction supplies, all of those things happen on site. Um, so I think where where there's an opportunity for us to grow, uh, particularly once we have a, a good uh, sort of kitchen dining facility and some indoor space, will be more with with counseling. Uh, there, I think there's a need for trauma counseling, different type of addictions support and counseling, uh, over and above what we're already doing with a, a methadone treatment program. So I think that you know that it's it's the uh, the services and the counseling that that are the next big opportunities for us. Well, that's incredible. Uh, and so let's talk about if uh, listeners want to support, uh, get involved. Uh, maybe they may not be for Kishore Waterloo. How could, what, what can people do? Yeah, so, uh, I think people people that want to support us uh, a lot become volunteers, uh, and, and and many have been very generous with financial donations, um, individuals and businesses, businesses that have that have helped us do construction and and uh, and, and moving and those type of things. So. Um, there's a lot of ways that the community has embraced this concept, um, but uh, we've really, really been impressed by people's uh, generosity with financial donations. And when we we're writing thank you cards, I was struck by how far afield people are. I thought that this would be, you know, very much focused in Waterloo Region, but there's people from all over Ontario and even into the United States that have that have made significant financial contributions to this. So um, we, we're very much indebted to. Uh, our financial partner, uh, our charitable partner, the Social Development Centre of Waterloo Region. They've been handling the, the no donations and receipting for us since the beginning. And uh, so that's been really helpful because we were 
we were a project without an organization really for the first year <laughs> we've only started to get organized in the in this second year so social development center of Waterloo region is is the is the place where people could make financial donations if they're so inclined that is great and i think it's like hey we'll take action action is needed now people can't wait you did that and the rest will fall into place it sounds like it's happening uh if people want to go out if people want to find out more information about a better tent city how to donate how to get involved how, is there a website where can they go uh, we're working on a website um, so right now the social development center's own website has a page devoted to us so so uh, social development center waterloo region uh, and, and follow the links to a better tent city that's a, that's a good place to get basic information Wow. And so 2017, you retire. Is this what you envisioned uh, you'd be doing uh, five years later? Not in the least. This was the furthest thing from my mind. <laughs> it's, it's true community service. We're so glad you are doing this, uh, Jeff. Thanks so much for all you do. And congratulations on uh, taking action and making things happen. You are, I believe Better Tent City has saved a lot of lives and will continue to do so. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Michael. Wow. You know, it's, it's so interesting to have Jeff on the show um, talking about this. So many people, um, you know, with the talk around encampments, you know, honestly, you know, when you say like, we should get better tents, we should do that. And, and you, know, you know, we want to focus on housing, of course. And you heard Jeff say that, look, like, you know, we've got a lot of projects underway. There's things happening. It's going to take time. We are behind. We need hundreds of thousands of homes across Canada. And in the meantime, we need different options. And instead of just shutting down an encampment where many people are saying, I'm comfortable here. This is my community. I have a sense of community here. That's important to me. They made it better. Uh, and absolutely, you've heard me say government plays a huge part in preventing any homelessness. But so does community. Community has to step up. And you see in Kitchener, Waterloo, the faith community and the community all around has stepped up to make this happen to take care of the most vulnerable. It's incredible stuff. Uh, very inspiring. Wow. Another great guest. Another great story. Uh, some innovation uh, to inspire all of you. Thank you so much for listening. And we'll see you next week on The Way Home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.